welcome to another episode of the Nerd Entrepreneurs Podcast, where we interview young entrepreneurs around the globe in order for you to learn and get inspired to turn your own ideas into reality. I'm your host, Dan, and today I am as thrilled as ever to share yet another exciting startup story with you. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hi, Dave. Nice to meet you again. Hi, Daniel. Hi. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for taking the time today. It's a beautiful, beautiful weather outside. Um, I'd love to talk to you a bit about your startup, a bit about your story, how you came from being an employee um, to being an entrepreneur. And I'd like to start to know first a bit more about yourself. Who are you? How old are you? What did you study? And also, of course, what is the startup you're currently involved in? Yes, um, I'm 28 years old and I studied uh, management, did my bachelor at university in St. Gallen. And then I worked for one and a half years in the consulting industry, mainly um, in, in the healthcare area, which was a very... Um, for me, it was a very inspiring experience because so f since uh, until then, I was not <laughs> I was not that hard working at stu uh, as a student. It was more about fun and uh, going out and stuff like this. And from then on, I had a I had a clear focus what I want to do. And this was the the master in business innovation. And this master was very interesting in in my opinion. It was somehow a little bit uh, an intersection between business and technology and 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 um, also between business and new trends and for me um, since then it was clear that I want to start my own company but I did not know in which area and then I, uh, I finished my master two years ago and I started working in, a, in another consulting firm and the focus was um, mostly on innovation consulting so what we did is we created new business models or MVPs for companies uh, in, in, in typical Swiss industries like banking insurance a little bit health and um, I really liked what I did there I mean we did a lot of cool concepts we had a very young and dynamic team but at the same time I missed a little bit um, the traction these projects had or the impact they left so it was most of the time it was there were fancy presentations nice concepts but then not much more and yeah so that's why I um, I quit the job and started my own company this month all right that's, so that's very very recent yes it um, is <laughs> how is it feeling for you how is it going um, I mean that's actually my second week where I work full-time on the project and I have nothing else to carry about so on the one hand I feel very free and it's it's yeah it's beautiful you, you can do what you want yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's fun so if, it, if the weather is good you can go outside no <laughs> I'm joking um, so it's it's a, it, for me it was some kind of relief because I could really now I can really focus on this one project and I really like what I do now but at the same time, I feel an immense pressure. I feel a pressure by myself to be successful, but also the pressure from my my community, my family, my friends and everything. So I, I really feel that pressure. And 
before I did the full did it full time and with a full focus it was always like okay I do it aside um, this is not my first job this is not where I have to be successful so you can say that the pressure is much much higher but I think you all also need this pressure and at the same time it is it is wonderful you, 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 you don't have to ask yourself in the morning oh what the fuck I'm going to do now or today so it's it's actually what you want to do and yeah so yeah, yeah. I really like that yeah I mean I know you're a very very energetic person anyways yeah you know, we've studied together um, but since you started this new project, we've talked a couple of times and you seem even more energetic. So I feel like it's a pos positive move that you did. Uh, you mentioned shortly MVP. For many of our listeners or viewers, that's a new term. It's a minimum viable product, yes. right? It's, uh, it's one of the first steps you take. Uh, it's one of the first products you, you build that has the least amount of features possible just just the, the feature that really the customer needs the most mm. right um how how far along this stage are you with your startup maybe you can tell us more about your really concretely the project yes uh sorry maybe just a few words what we are doing i mean at collect idea that's the name of the company we are the the mission is to revolutionize resale markets so yeah that's, that's <laughs> that sounds fancy <laughs> no um in in the end it's quite simple what we want to do is we want to build an ecosystem with a platform on top but it, it should also be adaptable to other platforms where you can trade collectibles starting with with rare collector sneakers but where you can trade collectibles forgery proof so this means as a buyer you have to guarantee 100 percent that the item you purchase is 100% original and no fake and this is especially in uh, for collectors it's a really big thing because collectors never know if they buy something that is fake or if it's real and in the internet it is it is usually impossible to know that from a picture or a video if the desired product is original or fake and that's what we want to offer to our customers and um, in terms of how far we are with the MVP development, I would say we are still in, in the beginning. We had some, um, I don't know how to say, some. we, we had some uh, time lags or some... Setbacks. Yeah, exactly, some setbacks. That, was, that has mainly, uh, was mainly due to people who were not able to um, work on the project with their full capacity. So actually, we are maybe one or two months in behind but the goal is to have the MVP finished in I would say August or September this year so we it's very straightforward the, the development team is doing a great job right now they are making progress every day so I'm very confident that we keep this time schedule mm. but at the same time um, we are still at the very beginning yeah. Yeah. so to summarize just to make sure I understand it correctly and, and our, our viewers and listeners, um, you are building a solution for people who trade uh, collectibles, which are, for example, um, very rare sneakers. Mm -hmm. So Nike sneakers, you know, uh, limited editions. So people who, who collect these items, they have a problem. And the problem is that 
when they buy them online, these items, they're not sure if they're fake or real. Yes. So you'll make sure that they know Yes. this is real because there's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's made sure by Collect ID yeah. uh, that, it's, that it's a real product. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, and we guarantee this, um, we guarantee this, that, it, that, that everything, every collectible is original with our technology. So it's not yeah. like that we inspect every item in, in, in a physical way. So the technology we use provides us um, the possibility and the opportunity to guarantee that, the, that for example, the rare collector sneakers are original. Yeah. And that's actually a, a really big problem because if you buy it in, in a physical world, for example, on a convention or somewhere else, you can at least check the shoes, you can feel it, you can touch it. But in the internet, that's not possible. And we want to make sure that even before you buy the shoe, just when you when you browse through different shoes, you already know with 100% guarantee that this one, this particular is original. Yeah. So really amazing solution actually for people collecting yeah. uh, expensive sneakers. Yeah. How did you find the idea or the, the problem you, you wanted to solve? Mm. Uh, you know, there's many people out there who would like, would really love to do something, um, but they, they, they say, well, I, I haven't found the, the perfect idea yet. <laughs> how, how did you come to that? I mean, we, we have to go a step back and I would say I'm always brainstorming about new ideas also with you guys, with, with friends and everything. I think that's part of my nature. So that's, that's the first thing. I think you should just always talk with your friends, even when it's with, with a beer. Maybe it starts with a beer, but then you do the next iteration with, with the water. <laughs> so no, that, I think that's the first thing. So I, I always thought about new ideas, new possibilities to make business, new, new, new technologies. But um, for this particular idea, for Collect ID, uh, it is it is quite a fun story. I mean, I started caring about blockchain, I think one and a half years ago, and actually it started with trading. So I bought some cryptocurrencies, made some good trades, some bad trades, but it, it was very interesting and I was really fascinated about this technology. Not so much about the cryptocurrencies, but about the blockchain technology mm. that is uh, underlying these cryptocurrencies. And um, then I sat together with my co-founder, Philip, I think it was in September or October last year. And um, we had the idea that blockchain is the ideal so solution to make sure that something is original or not. and. Then I, I thought about uh, another story I had, I, th I think it was in 2014, I bought uh, a Nike shoe in San Diego and um, I really liked that shoe and I, I uh, researched in the internet the same shoe in, in red, it was some kind of a special edition and, and I tried to buy this shoe on so many different platforms and I ended up and bought it on a platform from Hong Kong and the shoe arrived two or three weeks later but it didn't look <laughs> the way I was expecting yeah. and so I mean I, I tried to to find this online shop again but I couldn't find it it was everything was down there was no no phone number available yeah. so yeah in the end I spent I think 100 US dollar for these shoes and they were first of all not original but they were not nice as well so yeah and when we when we talked about the possibilities of blockchain and and um, especially the possibility 
to to make sure to guarantee if something is fake or real uh <laughs> i thought again about this story and i thought oh maybe sneakers could be the right entry point and what we did then was we were not just hustling into sneakers we made a, a very serious uh, research with all collectibles we know fine wine luxury watches comic books action figures and so on and we did not just like the the quantitative research with the numbers which is obviously very important how big is the market and so on so we also did interviews with collectors of every type of item okay. so i i had interviews with um, comic book collectors also with sneaker collectors and for example i i, I um I thought about doing it with comic books as well, but then we found out that it's quite easy from to to di to differentiate from a picture whether it's original or fake. So we thought, okay, maybe this solution is is too over-engineered for this market. And then we talked with the first real sneaker collector. I I, I think I like sneakers. I, I I like to wear sneakers, but I'm not a sneakerhead or a sneaker collector in in the way they are. Yeah. And that was the the moment I I, rea I really realized that. This is actually a huge market and a huge community and there is so much going on. I mean, there are even companies right now, I think there are nine or ten in the US alone that are doing this verification in a physical way. There are shops, there are even private resellers that they do that for a living. There are guys, 16, 17 year old guys, they earn a living with selling expensive and, and, and rare sneakers yeah. to, to rappers or to, yeah. to other guys. So I, I realized really that there is a market for this product. Hmm. And of course, we also did some quantitative research and, and the market is, is quite big. And we realized that they really have a problem because there are a lot of fakes in this market they look almost like originals. Sometimes they are even better from in, in terms of quality. That, that's really? no joke, yeah. Some consignment stores told us that the fakes are that good that the quality is higher. So if you wow. would not care about originality, you would probably wear a fake. And that's uh, that was the moment when we decided to, to, to start this project with sneakers. Yeah. But I think at the same time, it's very important that you don't limit yourself to, to this one product. So the, everything we built so far, the software and the whole IT architecture, yeah. it's easily adaptable to other products. So it's not just about sneakers, it's about other products as well. Yeah. But I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think you should start with one product or, or one market yeah. and go, in th go into this market and, and really, yeah, get some traction in this market, prove that the idea works, that the people are buying it, and then you can go to next markets and, and see uh, how you could adapt adapt the technology for other markets or other products as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you, so you really, you really first also had a challenge yourself, this uh, buying the, the shoe from Hong Kong, that was something uh, that started very early on. And then just based on, on a topic of interest, as you said, uh, the blockchain, um, maybe you can talk a bit more about what the blockchain is for for people who don't know it, and then uh, really doing a lot of research and and looking at different fields and opportunities. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's very interesting. I I like the story about the sneaker that you brought bought from Hong Kong. <laughs> that's a nice. <laughs> that's one. That's always the best story. <laughs> but I think yeah, it's just a small part of the story. Of course. As yeah. you said, I I think research is very important. On the other hand, I think you should really f 
you should quickly start to build something. So I just bought some NFC chips online, glued them into the shoe, and then I realized, oh, what the fuck, it's not that easy, right? Yeah. So I did some improvement. I bought new chips, I bought security chips that cannot be taken out and so on. So on the one hand, it's important to do some research that you don't run in, in a completely wrong direction. Mm. But I would not spend too much time with research. Maybe that's because I'm not <laughs> the best researcher, yeah. but also because I think until you build something, you cannot say if it really works or if it if it if there totally. is something. So the MVP is really important. Yeah, and about blockchain, you, you could talk <laughs> the whole day. If you if you have to if you have to explain blockchain in one yeah. or two sentences to someone who doesn't know, just to just to understand the, what it is and what's the value. I mean, basically for me, I, I see it just in a in a different way to store to save data so traditionally or or in the la in the past 20 10 20 years there were like central databases so for example you and your company you have your server where all the data is stored and what blockchain does is that they store data decentralized on different places on different computers or whatever and i think the magic or the, the one big advantage this type of, of, of data storage has is that is it is not um, it cannot be manipulated or changed by one party of the system. Mm -hmm. The only way to manipulate it or to, to change the data is when 51% of the network would do it. And that's in, in, in practice it's it's almost impossible because you don't know where the data is and, and yeah. you, or you don't know it exactly. So basically it's it's a way to really really safely store data that should and cannot be changed afterwards so this is called this the so-called immutability yeah and at the same time this technology is not the the right technology for every use case because obviously it's quite expensive to distribute your your data storage so you are not it's not possible for example to or right now it's it's almost impossible to to save for example a huge amount of video decentralized mm. Mm. or it's 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 a matter of 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 um money. of money exactly yeah. okay but that's effectively what i what i take from blockchain so it's yeah. it's the decent a decentral and very safe way to 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 store data yeah i think it's a very important topic for everyone uh, it's a new technology or it's i don't know if it's that new but it's it's new use cases are coming up so it's very interesting for everyone to to know what blockchain is and i think it's with it's the same with every technology right now it's really difficult to to see the full potential of the technology i mean it started with the cryptocurrencies and a lot of people laughed about that and 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 thought yeah it's just a game or a, a little yeah. bit fun and then it came this boom last year now it's 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 a little bit down and maybe there maybe it is a bubble i i don't know that i think no i don't i don't think that everyone anyone knows that mm. but i think we will see the full potential of the technology in in five or ten years it's it's like with the internet you, yeah. you could not imagine what you could do with the internet in 19 95 or in the 2000 it's 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 a completely new internet we use now yeah. than 20 years ago yeah. and i think it's it's similar with blockchain as well yeah. how did you that's some more on a personal note how did you personally deal with the uncertainty and and the risk that you took uh, quitting your job and not having any fixed income mm -hmm. now 
how did how are you dealing with it yeah i mean yeah that's really <laughs> that's not so easy right i mean there are these small types of uncertainty I, i can give you a good example i had this week or last week i had to choose uh, a savings account a bank account for the company and i had no idea which bank is the right so <laughs> I went to my dad and he, he said, ah, you have to take the, the Raiffeisen Bank in Winterthur. And I asked him, why? <laughs> why should I take the Raiffeisen Bank in Winterthur? He was like, yeah, that's near to Zurich. You will be in Zurich and yeah, it's cool. So I thought, oh, he's not the right guy to, <laughs> to give me an advice in this topic. But um, so then I, I just did some research and I found out that this, this one bank, I think Postfinance is one of the cheapest. They have special offer for, for young entrepreneurs and in the end you just have to make this decision and live with the consequences so i cannot postpone such a small decision a week later but it, it exactly shows the, the problem or, or the difficulties when you are a founder you you have no boss you have no partner to to ask so in the end you have to decide by your own so that's the one side of the uncertainty do i um decide right are these the right decisions for the company or do i make it some kind of mistake or mm. something mm. and the other type of uncertainty is the one you you said with the salary with the uncertainty with the personal situation and yeah i mean in the end uh, i i don't know really what to say about that i mean for me it was just the right move right now to to do to go all in and at the same time I, i just think if if you are a young young person and if you are well educated you will definitely find another job probably you find a better job than before and that's that's what what's made it for me 100% clear to quit this job and to do it because i i i have some kind of a time period And when I'm not able to to bring this company to success, and success means, for example, clients, investors, or I don't know, just to keep on doing what we are doing right now. And if that is not possible, so for example, from now on, six months, and, and, and the company is still at the same level, and we don't find investors, we don't find clients, and I will search a, a job again. But I'm sure that I will find a job. So in, in the end, I, it actually is not a big risk. I mean, it would be a risk if I have a family or, or two kids, but especially when you're young or when you're at university, what is the risk? There, there is not a big risk, right? So, yeah. of course, there is uncertainty. I will not have uh, a salary next month, for example. It's, it's not that, that, uh, that I can just pay, pay my rent. From, I'm not that rich that I don't need a salary. So it, it is a big thing. But at the same time, when I have no more money, Then I search another job and I will find another job. And I think that the, the things I learn right now, they will make me even better and even more attractive for a future future um, employer. Yeah. So, I mean, we've heard this before and I, I totally agree with you that yeah. going, on, going on this trip and if we want to call it a trip and, and trying it out on yourself, in the end, makes you more employable than you were before because you have this resp responsibility you have these decisions to make that you would never make in a normal job and uh, you have this pressure that you deal with that is very valuable for for a company to have mm -hmm. as you know in an employee and i think there is even one more thing i 
when you're starting something by your own that shows you you're a, a, a type of person who is driving something, who is pushing something and who has some kind of initiative. And when I would hire someone, I would always search these skills because I think those people also in, in companies, sometimes they get limited in, in corporates, but actually you should really foster their minds and push them so that they push themselves. And as you said, I, I had a, a talk with an investor. I think he's a fabulous investor today. And he told me that um, he, he, he will always have more respect for, for, from a person who is founding his own company, no matter how far you are, than from a partner that, from McKinsey. And it was quite fun because there was a partner from McKinsey in the room as well. <laughs> so he was like hitting him with the elbow. But, but that showed exactly what I think. It's, it's not easy to become a partner at McKinsey. And I, I think it's also a very, uh, a very strong... Um, if you achieve that, you can be very proud of that, of obviously. But it's something different if you do it by your own, because you are alone in the beginning, and there, are, everyone else is just trying to to beat you and to be better or faster than you, and you have to overcome this. And I think people who do this or or try this at least, they have some kind of yeah personality that is, as you say, that is even more interesting for companies to hire them. Yeah. You you just said uh, at the beginning you're you're alone, and you you kind of have to fight the world or the, the your competitors, and you also have to convince your family and your friends that it's a good idea. Now you have a a team together. Could you tell us more about how you how you manage to get these people to join you? Because this is one very important step in a startup. You you need to surround yourself with people that it can help you get your idea and turn it to it into reality mm. what were the first steps you took really concretely mm. to to get the first people on board to start i was not completely alone so i was together with philip so we were already two i think it's it's always easier to create something when you're not completely alone because then you can challenge your ideas and, and in this type it was also very important because i come from a business perspective and i cannot estimate every technical detail i cannot say that is technically possible sometimes and mm -hmm. he can so it was a perfect synergy but then um yeah what i did is um I opened up a lot of different channels. So first, I activated my own network. I asked people, hey, for example, do you know a good developer? Do you know a, a guy who is uh, has some expertise in, in blockchain? Or do you know a sneaker guy? And what, what I, I told you before is that, and that's something I learned so far, and that is so amazing, that each conversation, each touch point you have, no matter with who, is triggering something new. For example, there was a friend of my of my younger brother. He's they are both um, studying in in St. Gallen as well, and he's passionate about sneaker. So I told my brother, "Hey, can you can I can you arrange a meeting with this guy?" I I showed him the idea, and um, we had some we had some we had some nice ideation. And then he came up and said, "Hey, you definitely have to bring in." Um, this one guy he's, he's the founder of the biggest sneaker convention from Europe. I would never by myself maybe I would come up with this guy after long research or, or maybe two or three months later. Okay then I 
I, I watched my LinkedIn profile and I saw two guys I know know this guy as well. So I asked them if they could introduce me to, to this guy and they did. And yeah, finally he's uh, our head of marketing. So this really shows most of the time, it's not the first connection or the first email you write that brings you to, for example, a future team member, but it's definitely triggering a, a new wheel. And I, I would say with everyone that is on board right now, it was the way like this. So I met one, one guy, or I met I met one, one person, and they connected me to a to a new person or to a new guy. And yeah, but and beside this, there are also some some kind of tools I use. For example, I really like CoFoundMe.org. It's a cool. Uh, it's a um, a website from I think the ETH, mm -hmm. and um, I posted the project. It is it has not that um, that much reach. But I'm always fascinated because every every time I post something, I get at least two or three replies. Sometimes it's useless. Sometimes it's it's really cool. So that is one thing, and and the other thing is is yeah, it, you would be amazed how many people are in your own network. So I mean, you have thousand Facebook friends or friends, <laughs> and um, they know everyone. Everyone knows thousand friends as well. So yeah. if yeah, it's it's. You have to you have just to encourage your own network and you will find amazing people there if you i mean i know you're you're very outgoing you can go to anyone on the streets and just talk to them um a lot of people are not what would you tell someone who feels more introverted what would you recommend them what what uh, insight would you give them or what recommendation become more outroverted <laughs> no <laughs> kidding no but but I think that's a good point you say because when you meet these people you have to convince them from your idea and that is not so easy because n traditionally or normally you are the one who likes the idea the most <laughs> but I think that is something I I'm really good at to convince people also to to present my idea um, if, if you're not that comfortable with that I would I, I think of course there are a lot of online platforms where you can write down everything you don't have to do the first interaction face to face so you can maybe chat with someone or there are other platforms you can use but in the end if if you are not able to convince another person to to share this vision and to work for you and I, I mean right now beside one person everyone from our team is working for free I mean they get some equity but they are working for free and it's not so easy to convince someone to work for free and I think you should definitely learn that but you can learn that so you have to structure your pitch you have to always ask yourself with who are you talking so what is his ambition or her ambition is he is he more interested in developing technology and and and, and really wants to talk about technology and get more or is he just want what does he just want to earn a lot of money or some kind so yeah, and I think if you are really not able to do this, you should find the first person who is able to do that and let him that do. <laughs> because yeah, it's, I yeah, I cannot imagine that it to to convince someone when you're not able to to go out and talk with the with yeah. people. So yeah. you really have to. Even if I have another friend, he's um, he's an insurance broker. He's a crazy guy, and he, he gave me this one advice that, that that's called eat the frog. So what he's doing is is always doing the most annoying and most awkward thing in the morning so for example if you have like a call with an investor and you have you are a little bit of fear or you have a meeting 
that should always be the first you do in the morning. So and I, I really try that to eat the frog every morning. <laughs> so it's quite funny. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. I mean, I I agree with what you say. I mean, first of all, of course, you need to be super uh, convinced by your own by your own idea, be it the idea or the pro the problem that you yeah. want to face. Then really talk to your network because everyone has a network. Even if you're an introvert, uh, even if you feel like you have you know five friends. You probably have more, mm -hmm. uh, or you know more people. They don't have to be friends, right? You can you can just write them on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is a very powerful tool. And then what I really liked what you said is put yourself in the other person's position because everyone has their own goal in life. Um, maybe it's not a goal in life, but it's a goal for the next five years or interests that they have. And you'll get them on board much easier if what you want aligns with their interests. Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting. You said yep. one guy maybe wants to talk about technology and you probably talk to him about the possibilities of blockchain and and you know a new technology that is super interesting. Mm. So I think that's very, very interesting way to go about it. You just mentioned it shortly. Financially, you're saying you're almost all your team is not getting paid. This is really amazing. How, how are you doing this? Yeah, I mean, that means that everyone besides me is not working full-time on the project so we mm -hmm. have one person who is working full-time on the project and he's paid so obviously they need some side jobs to earn their living to to eat something but um yeah i think for me that is it's 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 cool yeah but it's for me it should be the way that you do it because if if someone joins your team because he wants to earn money he's not the right guy so First of all, everyone from our team believes in, in the idea. They think the, the idea is, is, is very cool and they see the potential behind it. I think the second thing is it's very interesting. Also, if you are, for example, a developer, you're not developing the next uh, Snapchat app or something. It's a new technology. So we, are, we, were, we, we, be, we will face some obstacles we have to overcome that no one else before us has ever seen. Yeah. And from from a developer perspective, or a, a, if you're technology interested, even if you're not a developer, it, that is very encouraging because yeah. you can solve problems and you can work with a technology that is new. So you create the future, or you, it's, yeah, maybe it sounds a little bit stupid, but it's it's really about that. So I think that is really important that people like what they are doing. They're not just executing the same shit every day. Yeah. So they are, they are creating something new and with a new technology that is not broadly adapted right now yeah. and yeah last but not least I think it's a lot is also about the team spirit so for example um, I did some pitching conventions the last weeks and we, we won some prizes as well and when I talk about that I always talk about talk in the we perspective yeah. even if I'm alone there I most of the time I was there by my by my own and I did the presentation by my own but when I talk with the team or with guys from outside, I always talk about we and we want this. We want this thing. So I think as soon as the people are on board, you have to give them the feeling that they are really needed in this company and you are really happy that you have them on board. And yeah. basically those two things I was always missing in, in corporates. Yeah. I mean, I left this company and I know that I was really important for this company. I really know that. But 
the, the, the biggest boss didn't tell me when I left. And that's something I, I really don't like. So I, I think, yeah, you should, how do you say, you, yeah, you should validate the, the value the people bring to you because yeah. without the people, you're nothing. Yeah. I think it takes a lot of humility also to realize that. And a lot of people think, you know, the founder is the the creator of everything. And also the media puts it that yeah, way, right? It's always true. the founder in the magazines. But it's, I think it's super important mm. to realize that the founder is just the face. Yeah. And everyone else behind the curtain is working while the yeah. founder is pitching. Um, so I think this is the right way to go about it. Yeah. Even though you, you have the team now, um, there's always ups and downs. How do you manage these struggles? Um, how do you keep your motivation up when, you know, after a bad meeting or when it goes bad for a week, for example? Hmm. First of all, there are always ups and downs. I mean, even the last months when I was not full-time working on the project, it was always like, there are days where you have the feeling that you, <laughs> the world belongs to you. So everything is, is going, is on track and you, yeah, you think no one can stop you. Yeah. And there are those days where you come home and you think, ah, I'm doing really the right thing. So you, you will have these days. What I do when I'm, I'm down, <laughs> this is maybe it sounds stupid, but if you listen to really successful founders, everyone tells you that there were so many parts on their way, they get um, limited or they thought oh now now I drop everything yeah. and when I heard that the last years I always thought yeah that's that's typical bullshit but since I really started with that I really see that's true so I could drop the the stuff already three times right now if I would just listen to other investors for example oh you don't have a patent oh shit or something like that so okay then we create a patent yeah. <laughs> so I, I think you that that's the first thing so I always say to myself later when I tell my success story I will tell exactly the same like all those founders there are so many ways on the way where I could drop everything but I didn't yeah. so you have to motivate yourself and the other thing is also that you have to accept that a lot of meetings a lot of investor meetings will not directly get you money so you when 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 you get a follow-up meeting you mm. can al already celebrate that so you also have to yeah. celebrate this these small steps yeah. but I, for example i don't feel comfortable if someone um, for example um says hey congratulations you you founded the company and say yeah, we did nothing right now we, you can yeah. you can con can say congratulations when when we really achieve something. So it's always a little bit the balance of celebrating the, the stuff you already reached and not getting too fascinated about yourself or your yeah. company and, and still being very critical and, and challenging. Yeah. 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 Do, do you ever ask yourself, am I the right one to do this? I d I'm not you know, the, the most expert in this field. Um, this is my first startup. Do you, do you ever, does that thought ever come? Hmm. No, I had never, I've, I've never asked myself that until you, you say it right now. Maybe that's, <laughs> it, I should ask myself that maybe, but I think important is that you, I, I know that I cannot develop, so I will not start to develop for this, for this company, yeah. but I know that we have a brilliant, we have brilliant developers on board. Yeah. So 
No, I don't ask this question because I also know that for representing the idea in front of investors, for, for doing the strategic planning and, and all this stuff, I know that I can that. Mm -hmm. And I don't, um, I don't doubt in any second on that. So, yeah. it, it, no. so you really focus on your abilities. Yeah. I mean, I, I said before, you're, you're an extrovert. You really like to talk to people and you're really good at presenting ideas and concepts. So that's probably why uh, you, you feel so self-secure about yeah. this. Have you had any topics where you thought, okay, I need to gather knowledge about that? And of course, and you did that. How did yeah. you go about that? All the time. I mean, we had this example yesterday when, when it came to the NFC technology, there are so many possible solutions out there. And I mean, I started with a very simple one and um, we have no NFC expert in the team right now. We will, we have to find one or, or we will hire one as soon as possible. But um, we have some, some smart minds in the team and then we did some research all together. We read some papers. Um, I had a call with a Chinese company and I just asked some questions. And yeah, that's, that's a way to, to, to create some own knowledge and, and you will have that all the way. I mean, the, yeah. the small example with the bank account is just a very small thing or that, uh, yeah, how to, which, which blockchain is the right one? Should we use Ethereum or should we build a private blockchain? And the good thing is you don't have to decide that by yourself. So you have a team and you should encourage the team that everyone says his opinion and everyone brings in his expertise. And if, if I have the feeling that someone else has more expertise in this field, I also hear of this person, person even when I'm, I'm thinking I have an, another idea. So yeah. you, you should also try to, to, to get as much knowledge from everyone as possible, but yeah. you will always have topics you have no idea in the beginning, and then you have to, to research and to, to find a solution. Yeah, yeah not knowing stuff is uh, the starting position, I yeah. guess, at every startup, and it's fine. Yeah. It's totally fine to not know, and you learn along the way by the team members and by yourself online or just talking to other people that know it better. And, and, and maybe one more thing is that you don't have to know everything right now. So, for example, when we talk about the NFC chip, we will not have the final solution in the MVP. That's that's obvious and that's normal. I think that the chip, when 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 we can go this way, and when we're still uh, online and everything works well in in two or three years, the chip will look definitely completely different than it does right now. Yeah. But you cannot have the ambition to create the chip. It ha in, a, in a final version so you start with a prototype you yeah. test and then you improve and that is something I that I really learned at this design thinking class we did at university always build test rebuild test rebuild test as, as soon as possible and as uh, and, and and really test it as, as as soon as possible don't wait too long with testing I, we, yeah. we did a lot of MVPs the last two years and I, I would say the biggest mistake we always did was we, we, we waited too long with testing. So we mm. created something and we, we improved it and improved it and improved it and improved it. And then we asked ourselves, yeah, should we, should we release it? And then we say, ah, no, we have to wait. Most of the time we had to wait because due to regulations and corporates, we were not, were not um, due to reputation risks and stuff like this. But as a startup, just yeah. release it. Yeah. 
So build a prototype, really, a cheap version, yeah. basically, of your product, even if it's fake and doesn't have any of the features, but just as a fake, just yeah. to see the reaction of the people. Yeah. yeah. Who do you think uh, should build a startup or should build a business on their own? I think definitely more people should do it because, and that's not um, from my perspective, it's from a from a perspective as a whole country, for example, Switzerland, but also from the whole world. I think there are so many brilliant, s smart minds out there, and I think more people should found a company. And that also should be more easy from the politic. So yeah. they should really do um, some initiatives to make it more easy for everyone to found a company so that it, it should not be that expensive it should not take you that much time it should not take you you should not be not be paying taxes for example for for some years and there are some initiatives in this area also some acceleration programs but there's i think there is still a lot room for improvement and when it comes to the persons who should um found their own business I think it, it really depends on, on yourself. So if you are a, a person that is, is fine with, with working, for example, nine to five and, and um, having some concrete tasks, I think it's not necessary or it's not necessarily useful when you, when you found a company. But if you have a, a cool idea, yeah, why, why not trying? I mean, yeah. e everyone should found a company if he, if he or she thinks that it's a good idea. Because yeah. no one can tell you it's a bad idea. Only the customers can yeah. when they don't buy. <laughs> exactly. And then you know. Yeah. But as I said in the beginning, most of the time you can maybe you can create the company as a side job or, or you find definitely a new job. So more people should have the, the courage and, and just jump into the water. Yeah. If you could give three reasons why you would recommend someone to to build a business or to start a startup what would it be first of all i don't think and this is a, also a very common sense you will not regret what you did you will regret what you didn't and i totally agree to that i cannot imagine um when i'm 18 80 years old or when i'm lying on the bed dying that i think oh why did i found collect id never i, I i'm 100 percent sure that i will never regret that so that's the first thing. So if you if you don't do it, you will get regret it. Um, this, the second thing is that you are your own boss. So you are not working for someone else's dreams because that's what you do when you work for a company. You will always work for someone else's dream. Maybe your dreams and the company's dreams are somehow aligned. Hopefully they are. But in the end, you're not working for your own dreams. And if you have, actually this is also, um, this is a very, I'm very privileged to do what I do. And I know that, I mean, it's it's a privilege to found your own company and just to, to do what you really want to do. So this is not, um, and, and uh, yeah, you should you should also keep in mind and, and know that this is a privilege. It's not, not everyone can do that, obviously, but, um, that's the second point. So you're, 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 you can do what you want. And the last thing is, and um, I think in, in, and this is also a, a, a social or a, a, a thing what, what affects the whole society. I think in 50 years ago, you, you, you became a lawyer. You became a, 
a construction work. You, you, you worked your whole, whole life, you get a, a fair um, salary after working and so on. You could maybe buy your house, but I think times has changed. And I saw that um, with my dad. He, he built a company from scratch. They had like red, were writing red numbers and he, were, he, were, he was there for 10 or 15 years. He built everything up, built uh, new sites, new, new stuff. He did a great job. And then the whole company was bought by a, a bigger company and he had some difficulties with the upper management and he got kicked and he could not even pack his stuff. And he was working 15 years for this mm -hmm. company. He was, I think, 55 years old, had three kids and a, a lifestyle that you have to, to pay. And, and so this safe way, there is no safe way. That maybe there was a safe way 50 years ago, yeah. but today there is no safe way. When you work for a company 20 years and then they have to cut costs and they throw you out and you have to find another job with 50 or 60 or even 40, it's not that easy. I think it's easy when you're young, but not when you're old. Yeah. And when you create something by yourself, you can be sure that you have a job. Yeah. So I think it's actually that that maybe that sounds crazy, but I think it's the more safe way in 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 the time we live. That's a. I never thought about it that yeah. way. That's <laughs> just <laughs> mind blown. Yeah, that's really maybe that's uh, crazy, that's a, but it it is. Yeah, it's possibly true. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for thank sharing you. your thoughts on on all of these topics. Do you already have a website yeah. or any way that people can contact you if they really like sneakers, if they're really into this um, reselling um, game? Of course, we have a, a website and it's you can find it on www.collectid. It's everything written together. Dot net. Yeah. And um, yeah, if you are if you are in the sneaker community, if you're a reseller, if you are a collector, feel free to contact us. We will really like to hear your opinion but also if you need a job in a startup just hit me up and maybe we can work together i don't know <laughs> so, all right yeah let's hope let's hope uh, people will find you yeah cool thanks so much and thank you talk for to you the next talk time. yeah thanks thanks daniel thank you for listening to this episode of the nerd entrepreneurs podcast be sure to visit nerdentrepreneurs.com to access the show notes read about our next episode and join a community of like-minded entrepreneurs. If you like the Nerd Entrepreneurs podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time.